Good morning. Welcome to worship today. It's going to be another beautiful day. We do have some announcements to share. The fifth Sunday of the month is always the local mission offering. And we have here a very nice display uh, indicating what many of those offerings go to accomplish. So we thank you for that, for creating this. And uh, we hope that you will remember next week uh, this is the local mission offering. Next Sunday morning, the fifth Sunday of the month. Other announcements that we want to share with each other this morning? It is good to have you in worship, and it is good to be here with you. Let us uh, gather and praise and celebrate the love of Christ as we have each one of us experienced it in our own lives. Welcome to worship. Let us stand for thy word. gather together first and last verses.
As you're seated, let's do our call to worship together. There is no place where one can hide from God, for God's Spirit searches everything. Let us come before the Lord with humble and contrite hearts, for such God seeks to worship Him. In God's grace, we find our safety, for God is a refuge and a rock and will deliver us from sin and death. God is our rock and our salvation. And for God's sake, let us be guided and led into places of safety. God is gracious toward us, and when our own strength fails, it is God who leads us up and restores us to a right place. With the psalmist we say, we trust trust in thee, O Lord. Our times are in God's hands. May God's face shine upon us as we worship. Let us pray the invocation together. O Lord, we pray that you will teach us the way that leads to life. Even when we have closed our eyes and ears to your truth, you do not abandon us, but break through our stubborn self-reliance with a word that awakens us and restores us to a right relationship with yourself and each other. We are blessed when your forgiveness heals us and we are made new creatures in Christ. Because we trust you, O God, we know you are always at work for our good. Be present now as we worship in spirit and in truth. In In Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. Again, this morning we're reading from Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Paul felt that he needed to be constantly in touch with these young groups of Christians because they were all surrounded by forces and powers that were not favorable to this movement. And these young Christians were always uh, susceptible to the forces that were there. And Paul wants these folks to know that they are a force for good in a very troubled world. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your, grace, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for the people of God. something with me this morning that my I feel that many of you might not know what this is. Do you know what that is? Hmm? A potato? No, but that's a good guess. I'm going to tell you what it is in just a minute. Do you young ladies know what this is? It has a very special name. It's called a toe. Just like the toes on your feet, it's called a toe. It's a flower. If you want this flower to become what God intended it to be, what would you have to do with this? You have to plant it, that's right. What other things would you do? Have to do what? Yes, you have to water it, and sometimes you have to pull weeds away from it, and you have to be sure that it has enough sunlight so that it can grow and become what God intended it to become. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus was with a large group of people, and a lot of those people gathered there had children just like you this morning. And they wanted to come to Jesus and talk with him and spend time with him. And someone said, keep those children away from him. And Jesus said what? Let the children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus knows that you're all going to grow and become grown-ups. How are you going to do that? and become a beautiful person with gifts that you can use to build God's kingdom. Well, just like you have to plant this, and you have to water it, and you have to make sure it has the right kind of sunlight, it will become something beautiful. You see what it would become? This is what they call a toe, and it belongs to the plant called iris. And there are so many different ones. I mean, this is just one. But look on the back. See how many others there are? Just like every one of you children is different. So there are so many different kinds of iris. But you will grow up to be a beautiful person. And you will grow up because Jesus Christ loves you and cares about you. And God wants you to have the gifts that will make a good life for you and for other people. Now, if you had to choose one of these, I don't know which one you would choose, but they're all beautiful, aren't they? All of you children are beautiful to Jesus and to God. 
when you grow up, be sure you use your gift. The gift of this flower is to delight our eyes and make us wonder how beautiful God's creation really is. You are a part of that creation. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful that each and every one of these children is loved by you and that you will be with them to guide them and help them grow into beautiful people. They are beautiful now. Keep them always beautiful as they seek to do your work and your will. Bless them today and every day, God, that they may grow up to have gifts that will build this kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have some prayer requests this morning. Um, prayer for uh, Pat Taylor, who is in rehabilitation in Syracuse. For Anne Laurent, who is home. For Carol Wells, who is having tests on Friday. And for Skip Taylor, who is connected to Pat, but cannot visit her and only see her through the glass during this coronavirus time. Are there other concerns this morning that you would like to have us remember? Your family, we continue to remember your parents and as they move uh, home. All right, we'll keep them in prayer. All right, and a granddaughter who's starting college. Thank you. somebody's taking piano lessons. Yeah. Uh, you have a wonderful organist here, but there aren't many available anymore. Mm. And it begins with piano lessons, and then the children begin to appreciate these gifts. Let us pray. Lord, we do give thanks for the good things that do happen in our lives every day, so often overshadowed by the darkness. Help us to see the light and not to become so overwhelmed by that which is negative. We give you thanks for all of those good things that do bless our lives each and every day. 
for the gifts of friendship and for the gifts of church and family and community. And as we continue to live together, may we find that peace and harmony that Christ would bring to all of us and that we can rejoice and be glad. We also are mindful this morning of those whom we have mentioned by name and the concerns. We know, God, that your word says that you are at work for good in our lives. So help us to hold that close, even through times of difficulty and transition and change. For we know that in the fullness of your time, all things do work together for good because we do love you and care about your presence in our lives. We are praying, O oh Lord, for those who are suffering from illness and from loneliness. We know that as we go through this difficult time with health concerns that touch everybody's lives, it sometimes feel that we are alone, that there is no one else. And yet we know that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses by people who do know our name and who do care about all of us. Help us to hold fast to that truth that we may truly find the peace that passes our human understanding. It is a peace that only you can give, Lord, as you touch our lives with your grace and your care. For this church, we pray that you will give it encouragement and strength, not only for this day, but for each and every day to come that we may continue to give that witness that truly touches lives, not only within, but beyond the walls of this building. For we know that you have called us to be those living witnesses that proclaim the goodness and grace of God as we have seen it and experienced it in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it is that we pray in his name this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our hymn is Jesus, keep me near the cross.
to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Would you pray with me? Your word, O oh God, is a lamp unto our feet and a light in the darkness. It is why we gather together to look to that word, not only that which is written, but the living word, even Jesus Christ himself. Make yourself known to us this morning as we listen to this word and as we experience the presence of the Christ, for we ask it in his name. Amen. Over the years, it has been a privilege of mine to be in a supervising position for a lot of pastors and to have been appointed to serve several congregations. Over that period of time, there are sometimes words that seem to trouble me more than others. I'd like to share a couple of them this morning with you. The first is the word counseling or counselor. In my work as a supervising pastor, I had to remind clergy that unless you have a certificate on the wall of your office that says you are a trained therapist, you are not a counselor. And yet many times people who are part of a church use that word in relationship to their pastoral leadership. He's a counselor or she's a counselor. That is not what we are nor who we are called to be unless we have been specifically trained to do that. We are pastoral caregivers. What that means basically is that we give spiritual guidance to people who are troubled and who are seeking to find God's will for their lives. That's exactly what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Find God's will for your life. And you will go through a time of trouble, a time of uncertainty, maybe even a time of darkness. But that is why the church exists, and that is why clergy are called to be pastoral caregivers. Now, there are some who are therapists, and they have been trained specifically to work in that arena. But most pastors are basically called to be caregivers in the name of Jesus Christ. 
When they do that well, they contribute to the health and the well-being of the congregation of which they are a part and the community beyond them. When they do it poorly and they overstep the boundaries of good pastoral care, they can very quickly create what I have come to call toxic situations. That is, they have dug holes that they can't get out of. And the church pays a price for that. But the other word that troubles me in the life of our community of faith is that word volunteer. How many times over the years has someone come to me and said, we need volunteers to work with the children? Or we need volunteers to work with the call committee? Or we need volunteers to take care of the building? Friends, it's a word that does not belong in our vocabulary as the people of Jesus Christ. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer a volunteer. Think about that for a moment. You are equipped with gifts and graces for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. A volunteer is somebody, as my dad who was in the military used to say, when the sergeant asked for volunteers, he didn't step back fast enough. And he was the one who got the job. Volunteers are folks who mean well, but sometimes are not equipped to do what they're called to do. And it means that it's important for every one of us as a believer in Jesus Christ as Lord to do an assessment of our gifts and our graces. Now, I remember many years ago when I first started ministry, I was appointed to Geneva Church as an assistant pastor. My job was to work with the educational program of the church and specifically with the children's ministry. There was a lady by the name of Mrs. Gardner who was the head of that education committee. She was already in her late 70s or early 80s. But she was a woman who was passionate about ministry to children. I said to her, in my naive way as a young man, why do you do this, Mrs. Gardner? She said, because it's not as if these kids are like my family, they are my family. She had a sense that as a Christian and a believer in Jesus Christ, these children belong to not just her, but to Jesus himself and that it was important for her to use the gifts that God had given her to work with these children in a way to encourage them that they might grow up into beautiful human beings, people who were enlarged in terms of their lives with gifts that they could put to use, not only to make their lives beautiful, but the lives of everybody else better in the process. She met with those Sunday school teachers on a regular basis. I met with her on a regular basis because she knew that the people with whom she was working were people who were called to work with those children. How many times over the years have I heard somebody in the church say, we need some volunteers to work with the children? No, you do not need volunteers to work with the children. You need people who are gifted you need people who have 
the heart and soul that grows out of their relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you do in life, and I have shared this with you before, but if you are called and gifted and sent, embrace that, because every one of us are unique and different. I shared with the children the story of the toe from the iris. I don't know how many different types of iris there are. An unbelievable number of different colors and sorts, just as we gather here in this congregation this morning. Each one of us is unique and different and is special. And Paul understood this when he wrote this letter to the church at Rome. He didn't want everybody to be a carbon copy of somebody else, not even a carbon copy of Jesus himself, but to find their unique place in the kingdom of God growing out of their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the church is about. It's how do we help people embrace God has made special about each and every one of you. I have said before when I talked about prayer with you that if you pray about things for which you don't care, you're not likely to put your energy into it. You're not going to do anything with it. It's just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If you think of yourself as a volunteer and you say, well, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it, you will not do it well. I truly believe that, because if it doesn't grow out of something inside of you that God has placed there as a gift, a way to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ, you will not put your heart and your soul into it. But there are plenty of us and plenty of those who bear the name of Christ around this world, friends. If each of us would simply come to understand that we are not only unique, but we have a special purpose for our lives. You and I are not volunteers. We are called by Christ. We are equipped, and we are expected to use those gifts for the building of the kingdom. You know, the line in the Gospel of Matthew that really strikes me is the question, who do you say that I am? We can only overcome this idea of being a volunteer if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Peter could never have answered the question Jesus asked if it hadn't grown out of the relationship he had with Jesus himself. There was a depth to that relationship that informed Peter's answer. And Peter said, you are the Son, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when that happened, Peter said, Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a bunch of keys in my back pocket. I happen to know what each one of these goes to. That's why they're on this ring. But if you're also like me, you've got a drawer at home. And it has a lot of keys, but you don't remember what they go to. They're basically useless. Unless you spend a lot of time running around testing every key in every lock you have. 
friends, I think Peter has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus saw in him something that made all the difference. It was a confession of faith. It was a way of saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what the future holds, and I'm going to do your good will. That's what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Do the good will of God. Now, I like to think that maybe this idea of the keys is what we call a metaphor or an example. Each of us is a key that can open some kind of a door for others. Each of us has the capacity to do something that is unique and special in building the kingdom of God. Paul ended his letter, this part of it, by lifting up some of the things that people are called to be and do. And what he said was, if you're called to do this, do it well. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't do it with a nod of the head or a shrug of the shoulder. Do it well. Because in doing it well, you open another lock for someone somewhere. We don't know, friends, how God is at work in us. It sometimes is a real strange thing. And sometimes it's the word that you say to a person, a word of encouragement when they're down. The examples go on and on and on. Sometimes it's teaching. I've always said that there are certain vocations in this world to which we are called. There are more than jobs. And I don't care if it's a teacher, a doctor, or a truck driver. If you are called to do this, you will do it well. Because God has called you to this purpose and equipped you to make that happen. So please, friends, as you think about the future, do your best to not use that word volunteer unless you're talking about a social service organization beyond the church. We are not volunteers. We are those who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are those who believe that God has gifted us, that God has made it possible for us to contribute to the building of the kingdom of God. And we are in Christ Jesus for that purpose and that purpose only. It's not what you do with your life so much as in whose name you are doing it. Paul understood this. Paul was encouraging those folks in the little church in Rome, please, whatever you do, do not give in to the powers around you. Do the good will of God. But whatever you do, if you are called to do it, do it well, because it's your passion. God has called you to this purpose. Follow it and do it well, and you will be like Peter. Blessed are you, Peter. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Each one of us has a key that opens that door. And whatever we do in this world, when we open that door, it's opened in heaven as well.
We are not volunteers. If your pastor, whomever you choose for the future, is not a counselor, don't use the word counselor. He's a pastoral caregiver. He cares about your spiritual well-being. And he will work as hard as he or she has to to help you experience the fullness of life and this presence of God in your journeys. We are those called not to be volunteers, but to be believers and those who serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Find the power in that and use whatever key God has given you to open the door that lies in front of you. Don't ever underestimate the fact that you have that key. You have that key. It has been given to you because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Would you pray with me? There is power in your way, O oh God. It is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is why he said that I come among you not to be served, but to serve. It is why he said, I do not count equality with God something to be grabbed. But he came as your ambassador. He came to give us the strength and courage and empowerment to be a part of that great body of witnesses that truly makes a difference in the lives of people around the world. So we look to your word again today. May it find its resting place not just within us, but through us. And may our confession of faith be the very source of our power and our purpose. For we ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Our closing hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers.
sends us into the world. Go as my disciples. Go as those who confess and proclaim that I am Lord and the Son of the living God. Go to use your gifts for the building of